Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 86. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing great, but I have this really anxious feeling because I want to know what happens in part two of this interview. We'll get Mm. there though, right? Yep. We're both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. All right, Nick. Um, as you alluded to, this is part two of two, um, our interview with Cody D. Arkland and his discussion of, oh, geez, so much stuff, so much good stuff. But I, I want to say, you know, the emotional part of a technical career, um, kind of kicking off with uh, the issue of dealing with somebody who's going through like an anxiety, you know, point in their lives, an anxious point in their lives. And how to be an effective listener. I think we wrapped up the last episode with that, but we're also starting this one with it. I think the phrase of this episode, and if you're listening, you'll get it when you hear it, is mental plot twist. Yeah, I like that too. All right. Well, uh, without any further ado, let's get to Cody D. Harkland on the Nerd Journey Podcast. I was going to ask two questions, Cody. Uh, Let's see. Maybe you and John should both take a stab at answering. You know, you mentioned the circle of trust or the circle of people that you would show weakness to. Do you feel like it's probably going to contain more people that are outside your... More often than not, for me at least, um, my wife sees a part of me that no one else ever gets to see, period. That's just... And I think that's that's how it's supposed to be, right? Uh, I think that for this kind of stuff, the stuff we're talking about here, there's a guilt that would come along with that, that she would feel around some of it, right? Like when we, when we branch off from talking about career and we get into like stuff I've dealt with as a kid, um, you know, I grew up, I grew up very poor. I had a very rough go coming up in the world. I moved a lot of times, similar story to a lot of people. I've never tried to match childhoods with, with everyone. We all have our damage, right? Um, but having conversations about how hard it is now would carry a level of guilt with her. And we've had this talk, like she knows that there are people that hear about struggles that she doesn't always hear about. And I'm always open to tell her. And I've told her, Hey, if you, if you want me to have that talk with you, I will, that's fine. There's no secrets here, but we go to people for the support we need and people in people who work in vendors understand the vendor struggle. My wife's a teacher, like, She's never carried quota. <laughs> she doesn't understand what customers are like, right? I, so it's just, it, it's a, I think the important thing there is if, if I wasn't clear with her that, that that was happening, I would feel dishonest. So I don't feel dishonest about it. I think that my inner circle, when it comes to the stuff we're talking about on this um, and things that blend in and out of it generally doesn't involve anyone from my family. I think my response is kind of, 
you know, twofold. Your family has baggage with you that um, colors all of those conversations. That isn't necessarily fair. And I'm, I'm thinking about like parents and siblings. Um, when you're talking about like a partner, like, you know, husband and wife, um, then I think that exactly what you said, Cody, about being honest about the problems and, and, and saying, hey, you know, I, I'm having these issues and I'm probably going to go talk to the people that, you know, can, you know, um, empathize. Yeah, most and best empathize rather than me having to give you the background. And also, like the second part of this is to burden the relationship with everything, right? Because your partner, yeah, that your partner shouldn't be your therapist too, right? They shouldn't have to deal with 100%. And, and like, and like, I don't want to treat my wife like a stress doll where I say, here's all the things that happened to me and here's all the things that like I'm feeling bad. Oh, wow. It was such a, it was, it was really, I feel really great now that I've unburdened myself and now she's walking around with all of that. Right. And I don't think that that's fair to, to put on any one person. So to spread it around and, and, you know, I, I would say, you know, if I was having car problems, like I, you know, I wouldn't burden my wife with, you know, um, the things that are going on with my car. I'd talk to my mechanic about it. Right. And I just let her know, Hey, you know, this is the stuff that's going on and then go see my mechanic. Right. And I, I probably feel that same way about, um, you know, professional like therapy, you know, um, and psychiatry even, you know, on, or, you know, group like support sessions, you know, informal, formal, and also, um, you know, spiritual, like, you know, whatever, like theme or like, you know, flavor of that, you know, is most appropriate for the person. Like, a, you know, you, you need to figure that out, but, but not figuring it out is the main problem. <laughs> well, I think something interesting happens when you're, um, we all have emotional maturity levels, right? We're all figuring ourselves out at different paces and different aspects of ourselves we learn at different points. And I think that like when you figure out the type of person, like the type of people you need for a specific type of conversation, that's like a big thing for you. Because like, you know, I'll, I'll use some names. Um, when I need to talk about like family and religion and stuff like that, Brian Graff, 100% of the time, like, that's my that's my dude for that we have like we've we've talked a lot about that stuff that's just he he's my trust circle for that um what i go to for someone like john shulman is a very different conversation and a very different thing that's more about like relationship stuff and how my how my relationship is and struggles in that when you can start to figure out where your your trust circle isn't like everybody gets all of it right you have to go to who is going to help you with the part you need the most help with um and there's just there's different people for for that with these deep conversations like we're having here grand orchard is my dude like we have these conversations about how to deal with imposter syndrome how to deal with like anxiety fears or at least he knows about mine right like he doesn't necessarily have like the same kind of anxiety struggles i have um but like when you start to figure out the people in that trust circle that you can go to and have that those dialogues with it's a great thing conversely when you haven't reached that maturity level and you haven't figured that out, you shotgun it everywhere and there's collateral damage everywhere because you're almost in like a desperation mode where you're like, 
I contain it as long as I can, and then it explodes, and whoever's in the shrapnel catches all of it, whether it's my wife, whether it's a bad day with the kids, whether it's somebody, like anybody who hears me at work and opens their ear for a minute, they just catch it all, and they don't understand context, they don't understand history, they just catch the unfiltered, unprocessed, rah, of, of, it, of it all. Um, but when you start to figure out the load balancing, that's why I made that comment when you were talking, like you start to figure out where, where the load goes best and what tool is best for the job. You start to be able to have a lot more logical thought of like, okay, I'm having a hard time about this today. I'm going to go to this person. I, I, I knew you were going to bring it back to Envoy somehow. <laughs> Envoy's, a, Envoy's a proxy, John. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. It can load balance but tools for the job. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, everything is, has its, you know, technical counterpart. And every time you were talking about not offering, you know, fixes, I, I kept on saying, oh, like a pull request. Oh, like a pull request. <laughs> oh, like a pull request. But I, I managed true, right? to keep it in until just now. No, so. but I mean, it's a, it's a good comparison because like, mm -hmm. if you look at how, like if somebody pulls a, pulls a GitHub issue, they have they have they usually have the skills to fix that issue, right? right? Like it's not like everybody jumps on that same issue, right? Somebody who knows how to fix it pulls that issue and closes that PR. I think that it's hard to it's hard to know what's uh what's the right problem at a given time, right? Like I think that we we firefight to a certain extent as much as we can. Um, you know, the, these days these days like the fire that I fight again, I I, I believe in being transparent in these conversations because. If somebody hears this, hopefully they figure out something about themselves. The struggle I fight with today and like the thing that I like imposter syndrome isn't something that hits me every day anymore. I think I've figured out a little bit about how my brain works. Um, and while it creeps in every once in a while, it's not in the forefront of my head. Uh, what I struggle with now is feeling included yeah, and not, not in the macro sort of way. What I feel like now is like, hey, I wanna be this person I want to be this person who has the skill and is recognized this way. And I'm afraid that I'm not seen that way anymore. You know, I left VMware where I had a good reputation. I had a lot of friends that was very active in the community and it's been, it's been hard. It's been a different, it's been a different thing to go to, go to, go to HashiCorp where I'm happy. I, I love HashiCorp as a company. Life is, life is good. Um, but it's hard to not feel as included anymore and it's not anyone's fault like no one's done anything wrong i've not seen a tweet and been like oh that wasn't fair that's purely inside of cody and this is like a cody thing that cody's working through uh i'm less afraid of people figuring out that i don't belong anymore i'm more afraid of not being invited anymore or not being invited now uh which is a whole nother whole nother <laughs> whole nother series of years to unpack in itself no i think that 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 kind of thing can happen like even i would say changing a company you know the the vendor that you work for or the organization that you work for is a big version of that it can happen even if you make a transfer within an organization right so yeah. if you had a role on the west coast and you move to the east coast and you're getting completely away from the people that you know and who trusted you and and you know now it's like pure reputation and people have heard about what you can do, but haven't seen it firsthand, you know, then, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a scaled down version of that, but changing, you know, the company that you work for completely changing all your coworkers, walking away from your reputation and all that inertia is, you know, one of the reasons why changing 
companies to work for is so difficult. It's one of the barriers. And actually, it's one of the reasons why we ask for more money, you know, when we are comfortable working in a place and we, you know, leave all that behind to go to a new place, even if it's the exact same role, because we're walking away from our network, we're walking away from all the political connections that we had, and, and, and we have to face all of this unknown and, and work through all of this stuff. You know, it, we need compensation for it. Um, that's not really what we're here to talk about, but it is one of those like factors that, you know, we talk about when we talk about making job changes. So, but, um, I do, I do understand exactly what it is that you're talking about. I think, uh, well, I, I went through like an analogous version of that. Right. So I left VMware and went to Google cloud. I changed, um, you know, companies, it's the same role, but I changed all of my, my customers. Um, none of my coworkers are the same. You know, I, I took on two um, fairly new sales reps at Google Cloud um, and changed industries, right? So, you know, there's like a whole bunch of changes at once and it's like, oh, you know, that, that might've been one too many changes. Like, I don't know exactly what I was thinking there, you know? <laughs> and it's not but, something that you were like, to, to your point, like, it's not something that you like, you're not like, I regret doing this. But it's like there's things that you would have – you probably still would have taken the job. But there's thought processes that you would have prepped yourself for. Like I wish somebody would have sat me down, honestly. Like being fully blunt, I wish somebody would have sat down and be like, hey, Cody, I think I think going is a great choice for you. I think this is going to be really good for you. But I want to let you know what, what your brain's going to do after this. Because I feel like it probably happens to everybody. Like mm -hmm. I, the first time you leave a vendor, I'm willing to bet this happens to almost everybody. I wish somebody would have sat down and been like, you're going to go in and you're going to do a hard reset on who you are in an organization. So all this stuff that you don't worry about now, the fact that like you stopped asking for vacation a year ago, you just let people know when you go out, like all of that kind of stuff changes, like all that stuff resets. And so prepare your brain for the fact that like, it's not going to hit on day one, but in about two or three months in, you're going to wonder why you weren't invited on that conference call that you should have, that you think you should have been invited on. And that's because you've been reset here. Everyone knows that you should be on that call and everybody wants you on that call. And you've demonstrated value that says you can be on that call. No one knows about that here. So don't take it personal. Just know it's going to happen. And here I am leaving my first vendor gig, going to a new one and struggling with that, like, that transition and kind of the unexpected, the unexpected, like mental twists, the mental, the mental plot twists of that. Uh, sure. If somebody had sat you down and said that about going to Google cloud and said, Hey, like it's going to be a big reset. Maybe you'd still feel that way, but you would have been prepared for it. You would have been like, sure. you know what? Mm -hmm. Somebody told me this was a thing. I can get through this. It's going to be okay. Like I can get through this instead of like, experiencing yourself and being like wow maybe that was one too many just to your point maybe that was one too many things there that's that's kind of rough uh well, i so. mean i think you said it earlier right like um and this is like a you know slightly different analogy but if somebody gives you directions and they say hey you know this turn comes up really fast so you want to slow down you know and they draw the map for you perfectly that's not the same thing as you driving down that road and go oh wow that came up really fast but it was helpful right to have gotten all the warnings and um and hopefully that's something that we're doing for people here 
is is giving them some of those warnings and and you know, the pitfalls that we you know went through, you know, going through these kinds of changes. And, or and, being the reverse, right? Not to, sorry yeah. to interrupt you there, but like I want to flip it around and say the reverse way. Maybe someone will listen to this and be like, "Hey, I know my friend. My friend John is changing jobs, right? I, I heard this. I heard Cody, John, and, and Nick talk about this. I need to tell him about this because I went through this and that sucked. <laughs> like, like it's it's also the reverse, right? And maybe someone will hear this and feel related and they'll feel like I'm not weird for feeling this way, but maybe someone else will hear this and coach differently." Someone will become a leader. Someone will stand up and have a conversation with someone that no one else has had yet. And that's a beautiful right. thing. Mm-hmm. That just goes to show you that no one can be told what the matrix is. No one can. It's, it's, it's super true. <laughs> it's a great analogy. <laughs> so is staying at VMware the blue pill or the red pill? So tune in Tune in another time. <laughs> <laughs> so cody let's talk about that change and the move to HashiCorp. i'm really curious about what made that the most attractive option at the time so um first first thing out of the gate like HashiCorp was a company that like i had a ton of admiration for that i had like played with their tools worked their tools really liked what they were doing Um, i had a colleague who had already gone over there and had amazing things to say uh, they're very up and coming, like we all know HashiCorp, like they're they're a very up and coming company. They're doing really cool stuff. I felt like it would have been a really good thing for my career. Uh, there was definitely sacrifices that were made, like on the, on the altar of financial, <laughs> that, that just different, different, different company, different style, different establishment. Um, but I felt like for my resume, it was a good choice. And the space I was going to be working in was a good space to be to be involved in. Uh, so that from like a, the initial thoughts, initial reasons, that was very much why. Uh, I will say that like on an emotional level, there was, you know, leaving cloud management and going into the Kubernetes team at VMware was a, was a big like shock for me. Um, I didn't really like think a lot about what it was gonna be like to change groups that way. Um, and especially inside of inside of VMware. Like I had a lot of respect for the cloud management group. I, I liked I liked the team. I liked the people I was working with. And it was hard to not be involved in those conversations anymore, but still see them happening behind the curtain. Um, and I I just it, it was it was a tough thing for me to get past. Um, I don't have the wisdom to say why right now. Um, but it was really hard for me to move on from that group start over internally kind of john you talked about this idea of changing teams and the similar similar thing happening um it was it was hard to to figure out how to get involved in the new space um there's a lot of change in the kubernetes team at, at vmware at the time with pivotal coming in uh, a lot of instability because of how i grew up i have a hard time with instability like just abc's a cody instability is a trigger for me like when things feel stable i am good when things organizationally feel very unstable, I am the worst version of myself. Like I had a lot of instability growing up. So that care that follows me into my career. Um, I felt very unstable, not, not mentally unstable. I felt unstable in my role. I felt like I didn't know what was happening with it. There was a lot of like, well, we'll see how things are in a couple of months. And I just couldn't, that's not for me. That's not my speed. Um, so that mixed with the opportunity, like I wasn't running away from VMware at all. Um, I had found the opportunity for HashiCorp. I was like, man, this sounds like a great gig. It was working in the service mesh space career-wise, like Kubernetes and service mesh is a very big part of all of our future in some way. 
uh, just felt like it was the right lines for the resume, but then couple that with the instability I was already feeling, it was just the right move at the time. Uh, I would definitely make the move again now, even with like the clarity I have now, several months later being removed from the situation, it was the right move for me at the time. I feel good about it now. Hope that answered the question. Did I answer the yeah, question? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, cool. And I, you know, since you've been in technical marketing for a while now, are there ways that somebody who's an individual contributor, like maybe customer, they work at a customer, they work system administration, help desk, are there things they could be doing to get to that point? If that sounds something that's attractive to them? Yeah, I think that um, the biggest advice I give people is that uh, people respond differently to different types of content. I think that there's old school tech marketing that focuses very much on like presentations and white papers. I, talk, I, I joked about this earlier, uh, but when you start to figure out that maybe John responds really well to like video type content and maybe Nick responds very well to blog type content and you're able to say this topic plays really well in this medium to this group of audience, uh, start to build that gear in your head, start to look at what you want to talk about, like, and you can do this as part of the community, right? You don't have to do this in tech marketing. If there's a blog that you want to write, ask yourself, is this best for a blog or should I do a video on this? Are more people going to consume this? More people that I want to consume this going to consume it via like a 10 minute demo video or 10 minute video, a blog, both a deck, something like start to identify what the best medium for the message you're going to be transmitting is and what that message is. Is the message meant to get somebody excited about using Ansible? Is the message about getting them excited to solve provisioning a VM? Like what are you, what's the message you're going for here? Cause sometimes that message is how to install Kubernetes end to end. Sometimes that message is how to install console end to end. Sometimes that message is Ansible is cool for automation. Here's why. And those are all three very different messages. So when you're writing content in the community, start to figure out what the message you're communicating is and who you want to consume it and how best to consume it. Uh, and make your shifts based on that. From a career standpoint, that's gonna be super attractive to someone who's hiring into that role. If I'm looking at a resume for somebody who's coming onto my team and I can see that they put thought into why they did videos, why they did a podcast, why they did a blog, as opposed to just, I did these three things. Uh, that is like the mindset that I'm really interested in. When somebody like is able to take apart and say, you know, I was going to do this as a blog, but I did it as a video for these five reasons. Even if I don't even if I disagree with those reasons as Cody, the fact that they put thought into it and they pivoted away from a blog because of that speaks volumes. The other thing I'll say, and this is like kind of attached to the answer look at your projects and how you would reflect them later, right? Like one of the best things I ever did in a career interview was building like a portfolio around some of my work and being able to reference the different types of work that I built and why they were built that way was impactful. And it made me feel confident. It made me feel like I do, I do belong here. I do belong in this role because I thought about this and I was able to put it in a binder and show it to somebody. Uh, so approach the projects you work on both in the community and at work in that way. How can I showcase this in a, in a, in an interesting way? I tell people to do this with their home labs, right? Like people always feel weird about putting their home labs on their resume. Put that on there. Like you absolutely should put it on there. Have a good reason why it's there. Don't just be like, I built a three node, a three node vSAN cluster for fun. Like, why did you build it? What did you learn out of it? What is it there for? What did you use it for? Like, what did you learn? Include that stuff. 
because like when I see that, I think this person cared enough about their career to go and build this on their own. And they had specific things they achieved that they achieved well enough to put on a piece of paper sold. Great. Good to go. It sounds like you have a high value for the philosophical backing and grounding for projects. Um, not just, you know, the projects without any of that context. hundred percent. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way. I've never thought of it that way. Thank you, John. <laughs> well, but what you're really doing to John's point is you're looking at it through the lens of how can this be highlighted on my resume for technical marketing? Like that's the way you presented it. Yeah. You know, it's, this it's is great. I think, I think it is, but I think it's, I guess the macro message here is think about the actions you take and how you want them represented, right? So even if it's not tech marketing, right? If you're going for an SE role, if you're going for a architect role, think about the things you're doing and how those are reflected and more so how you want them to be reflected. And we can take this back. Like it goes back in a funny way, totally unexpected uh, to our conversation about like the imposter syndrome. Think about the actions you take as part of who you want to be known as. I'm probably not known as the fall apart guy. I might be afraid of that, but the actions I've taken don't speak that. Like the actions I've taken speak that I am a, I'm a nerd who likes to talk about the tech I do, who likes to help people along, who's very friendly and kind and approachable. That's actually my brand, not the thing I'm afraid of it being. And anyone who disagrees with that and says my brand is something else, it sounds cruel. I probably don't want them around anyways, right? Like if, if, if they don't recognize the person I want to be, uh, and they only recognize that negative part of me, they don't belong in my circle anyways. Drop the truth bombs at the end. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, just a reflection again. Like, I, I would say probably a brand is more about being a nerd and, like, debugging these problems, like, whether they're technology problems or, or like, emotional problems or brain problems, right? It's like... That is a cool it's, way to say that. I like that. Yeah. Like, deconstructing. And, and I think that, like more people more of us who have that like engineer brain like should treat like emotional issues that way too right as like a well if this were a technology problem how would you approach it like are there root causes like can you peel away layers can you deconstruct it are there two problems that are interacting with each other and, and magnifying like all of these things are natural processes that we already have we just don't apply them to ourselves. Well, first of all, applying it to yourself is very difficult. And sometimes <laughs> you don't have that perspective, right? And sometimes you just need somebody else who has like an outside view who can reflect back like all the things that you're saying. And then, you know, that'll give you the perspective to, to use your brain in that way. You know, I think that's, a, that's a, an incredible observation that like, is like something I'm going to, th- I can, I can tell I'm going to think about this for the next couple of days. Because I think that like, as an engineer, we have like the, the good book of engineering and the good book of engineering says like, when you see a problem, look at what caused it, look at what's going on in the background before you try to fix it. But I think we all know the truth of the matter is as soon as you see a problem, you're already thinking about what you can do to solve it without even understanding the background of it. You're automatically thinking like, all right, I've seen this happen before. Here's what I can do to fix it. And you can't put this on your resume, but you probably try those things and then they don't work. And then you go look at the root cause of it and you start to dig into what actually happened and you think, oh, it really was DNS again. Great. That, that feels, that feels <laughs> awesome. It really was. It, it was all, it, it was always DNS. I, it can't be DNS because I, why would I mess that up? But it turns out I did anyways. 
right? Um, and it's interesting, like, to take that same thought process and apply that to how you deal with people. As engineers, we always want to fix the problem. So when we jump in to give advice to people and we jump into conversation, we always want to solve that problem. But if we treat it as an engineer and we tell ourselves to go by the good book and decompose the problem and start to take apart that problem first, like if, if Nick and I or John, you and I are having a conversation and instead of jumping in and solving your blue screen of death, <laughs> if I actually was like, hey, let's let's unpack this a bit. Like, I want to hear what happened. Let's talk about the day before we got here. Let's like like the movies that we all enjoy when it starts at the end and then mm -hmm. like they say three weeks before and you're like how could this have happened in three weeks what what <laughs> tell me more right like if we if we approached it that way as as people and we started to decompose the stuff that happened same thing in our relationships right like we talk about you you guys mentioned at the beginning of this this is about careers but like you talk, talk about how you address this in friendships and relationships as well let's take the problem and let's look at the hour before the two hours before the six hours before let's decompose this before i even jump into trying to solve it for you and maybe this takes us three days to get through like all of that but i'm not going to try to solve the problem without all the data and with all the without all the facts because in reality it might just be dns it might it might just be opening up a port like it, it could be very something very simple or it could be something way more complex and that simple solution that i had in my in my head is actually like really hurtful to present well, I remember hearing this thing. Um, I, I don't remember which book it was from. Maybe it was The Soul of a New Machine because that's how old I am. Um, something about like the the sooner you start coding, the longer it's going to take to like actually build your software. You know, and it's like the the same thing goes for like diagnosing technical problems, right? You like somebody starts giving you you know symptoms, and if you just start fixing those symptoms, like you're not actually going to get there. It's like, wow, my app is like, okay, well, let's increase the memory on your on your machine. No, it's not. No, actually, it was okay. Well, maybe it's the problems with your keyboard, and we'll swap that out. Like that's not actually an effective way to solve like you know a help desk type problem, right? Like so, the idea that we would do that for you know, much more complex systems like human emotions and friendships and like, you know, the way that we interact with our coworkers. I mean, it's it's just ludicrous, but that's how we like by default approach those kinds of problems. Again, ludicrous, right? And we're just taking everything out of context by not backing up a little bit and taking the time to understand the full picture. Yeah, it totally is true. And it's like, like, man, it's funny, you know, when we had the emails about coming on and doing this podcast, I had like the thoughts that I wanted to get out, right? The things that I want to say, but I actually think that like what we kind of naturally uncovered here in probably the last five minutes, like this is the real important stuff, right? Like, like what, like we've stumbled on here is actually like the thing that probably matters the most. And like, it goes back to that value of listening, but it's, it's, why are you listening? You're mm -hmm. listening to really understand the full scope, like what you just said, Nick, like it's really to understand the full scope of what this thing is, because like, how can you ever solve it if you don't actually understand what it is? And, and to your point, John, like this is complex human emotion. This is, this is career, like putting it in, it's not always about like the night I spent crying upstairs because it was a hard day, right? That's a sad thing, but these choices can have impacts on your career, right? What if like I can, I know of, four stories off the top of my head of people who on the spot dropped, I quit, I'm out of here because of things like this, like, because they just didn't have a good outlet to talk about it. 
right? And like those things follow you around. And we don't like to say that. We like to say that you can always have another chance to make it better. But like that next interview you have where you have to explain why you dropped is going to hurt your confidence. Even if they don't care, it's going to hurt your confidence. You're going to be worried about it. It's going to affect your ability to execute in that situation. Uh, these choices and the lack of being able to have these conversations can have real career impacts on you if you don't approach it accordingly. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I don't know that we actually had you on to talk about anything else. Like this is, I think, 100% the goal of, of having you on was to, to uncover this type of stuff. You know, these, these insights, um, you know, whether they're career oriented or, you know, relationship, I, you know, friendships at it, it all, you know, tends to like interact with each other, you know, all together. So I feel like if we can help people debug their personal relationships, that's going to be positive on their careers. And if they can, you know, debug themselves, then, uh, you know, not to put it too crassly, like, you know, just iteratively fix each other, you know, <laughs> like, you know what's, what's, we're going to be a better funny. community. I'm going to lean in on this analogy because I think it like fits really well. Um, every once in a while, I'll get a, you know, I'll, if you guys follow me on Twitter and you, and you actually read the stuff I put out there, um, you'll see every once in a while, I'm pretty like transparent about like hard days I've had or like emotional things. Um, and I've gotten, no one's ever asked me in like a rude way, but people sometimes be like, man, like, do you ever feel weird just dumping that stuff out there? And I'm like, yes, 100% of the time. Like this isn't like, it's not normal to like dump like your deep, dark fears on social media. Like maybe on, Maybe on like hidden behind like other family Facebook or something like that. It, that that's the place you do that. But like on my job ones, like no, it's not super normal. But what I care about is the person who doesn't understand this stuff yet about themselves. It's the person who like is angry all the time and is frustrated all the time because they haven't figured out how to talk about this yet and they haven't found anyone who talks about it yet. Like I want that person to stumble upon me being like transparent about this stuff. Uh, and it is it is a form of therapy to be able to talk about so where i'm going with this like leaning into the analogy is log outputs right like debugging is a million times easier when you have good verbose logging so like the way i dump this stuff out is my own version of logging and is problem correlation so that when somebody's stuck and somebody's in a rough spot they can go back and look at the logs of other people who have had these problems and see like wow so like he had this thing happen. He dropped this blog post and he ended up at this job. So like his world didn't end because he went on a tangent about his imposter syndrome. No one judged him. In fact, there's like 140 comments about people who are positively supportive and who are good, who are, who are good natured about it, who have talked about their own. Maybe I could reach out to him and ask him about that. And then they get a bigger log dump of, of more conversations that have happened around it. Like, that's what I want. Like, it's super weird to put this stuff out on Twitter. I feel like there's people who read it and are like, look who's screaming for attention again. Cody's screaming for attention again. It's not for them. What it's for is for people who like haven't figured out how to talk about this stuff yet or who are too scared or who are in positions that don't let them, like maybe career paths that aren't as tolerant of mental health. So they just don't feel alone. People feel feeling alone is the worst. I grew up moving. I moved probably 11 times inside of a inside of a six-year period feeling alone sucks and it follows you around for the rest of your life 
if I can if I can dump my purse out uh, on the table a few times with with my my feelings and have a couple people feel less alone, more power to it. Good for that. <laughs> right? You can't open the stuff that you see what's in the purse. You can't open the things that are inside. There's some cool stuff there. So <laughs> verbose logging. I, I really like that. I. So I think I was uh, talking to my wife and I mentioned that I have this metric or a series of metrics that I use to monitor my like mental health, like what time in the day did I take a shower and what time did I uh, get in bed and what time did I fall asleep? And, and maybe this is just part of like the, um, I don't remember exactly what the compute, the community is called, like it, like the, something about like the measured life, you know, and people like, use like uh you know sensors and stuff to like measure everything uh like you know things like amount of sleep and, and things like that so it was just like this association you know that that triggered when you said you know verbose logging um you know that is one thing that i do not do i i, I watch my metrics but i don't publish them to the world and it's just you know fascinating um that that that's something that you're accepting and taking on yourself you know kudos to you i think it's you know we for me, it makes me feel better, right? Like it's, it's my own way of like self-therapy, right? And not everyone responds that same way to that. Like, I don't think everyone should do that. I think it's about what makes you feel good. No one should feel anxiety about doing things like that. I, I feel, do I feel silly doing it sometimes? Sure, but I can say I never feel anxiety about it. But when I did the imposter syndrome blog post, I did. Um, I felt like uh, people are gonna read this and they're gonna be like, Cody just worries too much. Um, that that like that was the only time and the response back was so positive that i just knew like i'm never gonna feel anxiety about doing this again uh but yeah it's it's a it's an interesting thing it's all about what makes you feel better right for me it makes me feel better if it doesn't make you feel better it's cool now so you know just feeling vulnerable i think is uh is something that we in general avoid but you know if that is also a source of strength for you then I think that's amazing. If you can turn your weaknesses into strength. strength. We're, all, we're all trying to figure out how to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what you're doing is you're setting an example of what good looks like to build up not only yourself, but others. I like it. Thank you, guys. Makes you feel good. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big fan of reading them, but I mean, I'm glad that's something. No, I'm just kidding. He just actually kidding. prefers video form. Yeah, I prefer the I prefer the video form. If you could, you actually pegged it right on. <laughs> I think John would rather have the video, and I'd rather have the written word. Yeah, we had a side conversation going, and I was like, "How does he know that about us? How does he know that I'm watching all this video?" And and Nick's... this guy does his research. <laughs> How many of our episodes has he listened to? It's tech marketing, guys. Make any sense. It's tech All marketing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just have to absorb, and you have to know. Just like uh, if you're an SE, you just have to say back the thing that the customer said to you, and uh, sound like super insightful. Or sell more. Sound super insightful. One or the other. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you could use uh, a monitoring tool for this. <laughs> we can sell you DevOps. <laughs> wow. I think my final question for you, Cody, would be how do you figure out what's next in your career? After all the stuff we talked about, all the different ways you've incorporated these things and accepted them as a part of you, how do you figure out what you want to do next? You know, I, I, I said this to someone recently, like careers and lives are like seasons, right? And you learn to like see the different seasons as they're approaching. Like 
it's easy to say that summer starts in June, but like I say summer starts when it gets really, really hot. <laughs> and yeah, there's there's a formal first day of summer, but like to me, summer really kicks in when I'm like, it's 107 and this is horrible. Um, so I think that like what's next is probably the least of the concern. It's more like when, when is next, right? Like is it, is it time? Um, when I feel like I can't be my vulnerable self anymore, when I feel like people aren't responding to that, or when I feel like I'm not getting the support that I need uh, organizationally, that's like one trigger. I don't make like a decision based on that. Uh, as you know, as a nerd, I, I'm, I'm on it. And I, I use that phrase. I want to be like transparent about that. Like I use the phrase I'm a nerd as like a positive thing. Right. So sure, like, no one yeah. ever feel like it's a negative thing. We um, always take it as a positive yeah, thing. Yeah. I, I think it's like, a nerd journey. it's a good time to be a nerd. Right. Like, there was a time where it wasn't and it is now. Uh, but I, I, I'm a nerd. I watch the market. I watch like what's happening with the products I work on. Um, am I on the right, the right track technology wise? And I don't like jump off of that without like thinking a lot about it. Uh, these days I care a lot more about the way I'm treated. Um, I care more about like the leadership beliefs. I care more about um, what the company is actually trying to accomplish less about like the individual tech. I have to like what I'm doing. I have to love the tech I'm working on. Absolutely. I probably weigh that more now in my life than I ever have before in the sense of like being super happy with what you do, not so much the job title aspect of it. Like the work you're doing is so important. Like I could go back to being an SE now. A few years ago when I didn't do well at VMware, that was a different time. I know who I am now. I know the things that motivate me. I know the things that excite me. And if I found a C job doing that same thing, like I wouldn't be against that. Um, it's it's about like understanding the work you're going to be doing. So like figuring out what what's next really comes down to like when is next, and then if if now, what is the work I'm going to be doing at that at that other place, right? Is it is it a new bleeding edge tech that makes sense? Is it not bleeding edge tech, but something that I'm super passionate about, like? I don't know. Like right now I'm, I'm super happy with what I'm working on. I feel very aligned with what I'm doing. I feel like I'm making a difference at what I'm doing. That's probably honestly, like I've said it a few times now, that's, that's one of the biggest things for me. Cody wants to make a difference. I want to make a difference on the thing I'm doing. I don't want to be just be one worker, be moving block a to slot four. I want to make a difference. Um, and I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm doing that. Maybe not the most difference, but I'm making a difference. And that's, that's what matters to me. I, I totally understand and hear what you're saying. It sounds like if I listen to what you said, like, you know, during the entire conversation, it sounds like there's a couple other things, um, you know, things like if you don't feel secure, um, you know, in the organization, regardless of, of whether it is secure or regardless of how they're treating you or regardless of technology, like that might be a trigger as well. And I feel like, you know, maybe we all have those triggers and, you know, big part of it is how we figure that out about ourselves, you know, either to mitigate it or to just accept it. Right. Yeah. You know, I think it's, I think it's interesting. Like, I think there's a cynical approach to this where you could say the world of businesses really care about how secure you feel. Then maybe I don't want to work for that business. I right, like, I mean, it, it sounds very like cutthroat in that way, but like I could definitely see responses from some people being, well, the business doesn't like, the business cares about the job you're getting done. Are you getting that job done? Absolutely true. No doubt about that. Then I just don't, but if that's like the number one of it, I don't, I don't care. If somebody, if like, 
I'm super happy at HashiCorp. Anybody who's listening, I'm not leaving anywhere. But if somebody <laughs> met, if somebody sent me a message on LinkedIn and said, hey, I read a lot of your content and I really think that you have a good emotional IQ around you, I'd really like to have you on our team. I would have that conversation 100% of the time out of respect because they recognize that that's the person I want to put forward, right? And they recognize like the emotional aspect of it and the security of that. Uh, I think that we, there's a balance of like the business need and the emotional IQ need and the businesses that really succeed, figure out that balance and figure out how to empower leadership or not empower leadership to make good business choices while encouraging them to make good people choices too. And it's a super hard balance to achieve. I don't say that lightly, but I, like I mentioned Roy Ridhaller earlier in, in cloud management at VMware, he is a leader that knows that balance and knows how to tap that balance and knows how to use that balance. Like, and that's why I'll, I'll always take a call from Roy. No doubt about it. Yeah. Those are hard jobs that they're doing and, you know, they're making, you know, the big bucks to make those hard decisions and, and to balance those things. So, I mean, I think that we should have high expectations of people, you know, so in leadership, right? <laughs> lead. Yeah. And <laughs> lead sure. doesn't lead, lead, lead means a lot of things, right? It's mm -hmm. not just, are you hitting your, your metrics should include how your people are doing. What's your turnover rate? What's your tra job transfer rate? Like these should be metrics that leadership are. And, and frankly, they're not often right now gauged on, right? Like, Right. Some some places gauge leaders on that. I know plenty that don't, though. And sure. like, you should, as a leader, have metrics on how your employees are doing, right? Do you need to be involved in their personal lives and like, how's your day going, <laughs> sort of thing? But not necessarily. But if your employee, going back to where we started on this journey, um, if your employee feels insecure in their role, if they're not feeling like they're doing well, and they leave that role because of that, I mean, some of that failure is on them for not being able to talk about it and work through it. I, I, I hesitate to call it a failure. Like it's a tough word to like mm -hmm. choke on that, but like you get my point, I think. Sure. Um, but some of that's also on the leader for not identifying that, coaching through that and trying to provide leadership through that. Awesome. Well, Cody, um, I think we're about to wrap up here. Any uh, closing thoughts, stuff that we uh, were going to hit and uh, maybe just completely missed that we could get to before we wrap up? I think you know, the, the big closing one is like the, the community aspect of things. Um, the community has been fantastic. Like I, I continue to be blown away at the things that have happened in the community towards me in a positive way. Uh, and I've, when I was at VMware, I was always the V community, but I've realized that it's just so much bigger than that. And it is just the community in general. Uh, and there's so many people out there that can identify with the struggles you're having that want to be that ear, like that are available for you, that can make you laugh, that that'll let you cry, that'll cry to you, that'll, that you can be there for, like engage in the community. If nothing else out of this, you'll get the reward of friendship and the reward of, of a community out of it. Um, it's a great place to be. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I'm at today if it wasn't for my involvement in the community and, and the, the continued attempts to pay that back are, are why I'm here. So. Yeah. And don't have a Highlander mentality. Like you said, 
It doesn't have to be only one. No, totally. There are many. And maybe for some, you know, you're not in a technical community. Maybe it's a social community that's building you up. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Cody, thanks a lot for joining us on the Nerd Journey. Um, we hope to have you back uh, sometime, you know, the, the next uh, great um, emotional revelation that you have. Um, we'll have you on right away to talk about it. Yeah, guys, this was awesome. Uh, I feel I feel very good from this conversation, so I really appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, thanks so much, Cody. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, and take it easy. nerdy are we john that we've effectively created an algorithm to debug complex emotional and mental problems on this podcast i think it's fantastic <laughs> i think it's a stretch of, to say that we've we've actually come up with the algorithm to do it but i think the the, the broad brushstrokes of an outline are there <laughs> patent pending it's patent pending ladies and gentlemen Right, we, we're going to write a book about this. Right, it, it's completely none of this is Cody's idea. It's all our idea. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no credit to Cody D. Arkland. <laughs> Man, what a great interview he was! Like, it's just, um, you know, it just everything he said felt profound and was connecting with me. It was terrific stuff. Yeah, you can tell he's a pretty reflective person. Thinks about what has happened to him, why that is and really tries to fix the problems that are going on in his life and isn't afraid to face the hard times. Yeah, I think that along with talking about it a little bit more in public and broadcasting, you know, the process that he's gone through um, to benefit, you know, hope that that benefits other people. I think, you know, it's just a like I said, courageous. And I know that I've benefited from it personally. So um, if you have too, then uh, you know where all those great ideas are coming from. Yeah, definitely reach out to Cody and tell him thank you for sharing these types of things with us because I know that's not easy. That takes a lot of courage, whoever you are, when you share your your dark times with people. But the reason he's doing it is so that people out there won't feel like it doesn't happen to anyone else because it absolutely does. You just don't see it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, I think we should probably think about getting out of here. How about you? Yeah. It sounds like next is right now. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey, and that's where you should send messages and donations to be part of the John White School of Mentoring. Yeah, without an actual Patreon, by the way. No no real Patreon going on there. All right, uh, farewell listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at V Journeyman, for Nick Cordy, at Network Nerd underscore, signing off. Adios. Adios.